It is time to tune up the band and viva la raza! You want some Latino heat for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. My name is Sam, alongside Ridden and Dan as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Afternoon chaps, how are we doing? We doing good. We doing good. Yeah, we doing good. Surviving. Surviving, which is all you can do in this world is survive. Yeah. Pretty like, much. Mad Max. Yeah. I mean, it's been a hell of a week to try and keep up, not just with wrestling, mm. but there's a lot of stuff that has gone on in Oh, there's a culture. lot happening all around. Oh, just so much happening, and we've got to get into it. Pull up, a, pull up a chair, get a cup of coffee, because we're on Tangent City today. <laughs> oh, it's, good. it's literally going to be like that. It'd it really, be like that sometimes. It really, really is. Uh, yes, as always, we give you this podcast, thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud. Cloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and always be pending other platforms. Viva la pending. (laughs) Uh, As well, as you know, the usual business, we are over also on patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. If you'd like to give yourself, give us a couple of quid here and there, you'll be able to access all manner of sweet things, including our exclusive Discord server and episodes one day early. Indeed, you won't have to. You won't have to lie, cheat, and or steal to get it. Just sign up on Patreon, people. Come on. I love that, Rid, and thank you for that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I seem to be on it with the Guerrero stuff today. Yes, yes. And speaking of the Guerreros, yeah, we are we are well into the thick of it here in our uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month episodes. But before we get on to the heritage of La Familia, it is time to visit Dan for goodness gracious, possibly one of the most action-packed uh, wrestling news we've ever had. <laughs> Damn right. Dun 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 dun. Dow. Noticias de lucha libre. Oh, that's a spicy meatball. Nice, nice. nice, See, sorry, that's a spicy enchilada. Oh, that's good. It's good. Look, I'm putting my faith. I'm putting my faith in a lot of stuff that that's actually correct, but I believe so. Look, when it comes to these things, mate, I I am trying my best to hopefully you, you pronounce did. it correctly. You did literally the best you could. <laughs> oh, that's why. That's why we agreed on saying if you don't know how to say it, just send it to me, and I'll have a go and spare you the shame. Yeah. I should really have the script up in front of me, but you know. <laughs> That's why there is no script. Don't let's get in. Into... <laughs> I said there isn't one, right? I said don't give the, the magic away. Power. We want to make people think we're professional. Anyway, news, news. <laughs> wrestling news. Look, there's one big thing that happened. We're a little bit late to it. That's <laughs> uh, recording days permitting. Uh, but. AEW hosted their all-out event, and it basically turned into being one of the craziest moments, and probably a kind of, I guess, a, a real point of change. I, I I feel that 
Like, I absolutely felt that when watching this. Like, I do want to be the, uh... there and say, like, it's a watershed moment for wrestling. But I don't know that we've actually got there yet. But it's still a big statement. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the aftermath from social media alone shows you this, this event was good. This event was really good. And so, like, obviously... We've got we've got the big bits that are going to come later. <laughs> what the, yes. the fact that Wheeler Utah was in this uh, this event as well, which should never go unnoticed. Wheeler I mean, Utah, you are oh, absolutely perfecto, incredible wrestler. Which we should say uh, earlier this week, after all out, it was confirmed that AEW have signed Lee Moriarty. Which yes, Ooh. which when you consider <laughs> Moriarty Utah and Daniel Garcia are all with the same company now on national TV is ridiculous. <laughs> Could not be and I any, love it. any more happier for all three of them. And honestly, people are going... I think more people now are going to fall in love with how incredible Lee Moriarty is. Dude, look, right, I'm just saying... If they sign Kevin Koo. <laughs> I swear to God, if they sign De Kevin Koo. <laughs> oh, man. Like. All I'm saying it right, might is be, this. It might, it might be your rap for anyone else. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm saying, all I'm saying is this right now. And I said it to these guys. We are one step closer than we ever have been to a dream match of mine. But we'll get to the end of that. Because yeah. if, they, if, they, if, if Daniel McCarvey ever makes an appearance at a dark or a dark elevation... I'm sold. There we go. <laughs> AEW, if you if you just go to Canada, right? You go Pacific Northwest Canada. You know who you need to find. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, where were like, we? All out. <laughs> like, all right, out. There, there's 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 a lot of big stuff that we'll get to after. But first off, let's not let this like take away from all the great wrestlers who are working on that show. <clears throat> in terms of a hot opener, oh, that TNT title oh, match was oh, absolutely incredible. Oh, oh. What, a, what a just bang out of the gate. Man, I tell you, they're, they're perfect for one another, both Miro and Kingston. They really are. Like, I wanted really to see really two big are. hosses pretend to be Kenta Kobashi and Mitsuharu Misawa and Toshiaki Kamada and Kawai all in one. I will say, however, this, like, it's like, I didn't quite realise how big Eddie Kingston was as a dude, but it made the fact that Miro was still bigger than him terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying as hell. Because, like, the the one thing about this match is it, it actually kind of surprises, surprised me how well Miro worked to Eddie's style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they really complemented each other. Yeah. It's incredibly well. <clears throat> uh, no, uh, as I went on social media as far as to say this is probably what my... This was match of the night and possibly a contender for one of my matches of the year. It, for me, it's that good. No, but it, you it know, really was fair. good, though. No, it's very fair. It's not my match of the night. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to mine. No, we'll no. get to mine. I mean, it, 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 that was first, but it, it, it pipped the post by a very, very good match we'll get to. I'm pretty sure it was your match of the night. That was very 
<laughs> no, but like genuinely, really, really good match. And I, I think again, a great thing about it is uh, one thing we do say about AEW, or one thing that I really like about AEW is just the the, the range of styles that they have. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously with Eddie. There's kind of no one else really like him anymore, at least not in the US. <clears throat> mm. um, so to find people that do the kind of things that he does with the kinds of details that he does is kind of rare, or at least a lot of people won't have seen it. Yeah. So always just seeing him go in and just gel with someone so well. And obviously this sets up... Um, not I don't think it's this week, but I think it's the week after which is the the dynamite at Arthur Ash. Yeah. Which is uh New Jersey, I believe, or New York. I can't remember exactly which side of the line it falls. Mm. There's a bunch of stuff that's actually in New Jersey that gets said it's from New York. I'm <laughs> looking at you, the New York Red Bulls football team. <laughs> um but no, I'm I'm super excited for that, and they just kind of packed everything they need to at this one match mm-hmm. that worked fantastically. Yeah. Uh, a match that actually a lot of people weren't as excited for, which I think is frankly quite rude. <laughs> yeah, that's rude. Why um, was 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 John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima? What? Uh, I love this again. I love this match. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It was very very interesting to me seeing Moxley basically being the heel in this match. Mm. I didn't. I wasn't expecting that to be quite honest. I was expecting it to be quite even, but no, Moxley was straight up go doing that heel work. I mean, you have to against the leader of Red Club. True. Yeah, Jima does like bread. <laughs> I mean, fair. But, like, <laughs> I mean, who does? Can I just? Yeah. I mean, like the 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 crowd was on for Kojima, though. I, my yeah. God. I was so happy to him. see that. I was so happy to see that there was a, a that American crowd was behind Satoshi Kojima because it's like this dude. Is, this dude is a like. This dude's a legend, man. He's he's yeah. the first guy to hold the IWGP and the Triple Crown Championship simultaneously. So he's a legend in his own right. He's a made man in Japan. But for people to to to, to show their appreciation by giving him like the the reception he would get in Japan, I was so happy to see that. So happy we, to we, see that. Uh, I will just qualify for people, like. Imagine hold, imagine holding two rival promotions titles at the same time. Yeah, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. This is the status. Mm. <laughs> oh, but uh, and it, right... it, it, was, it was like for, it was so weird because I saw so many people online that were like, "Who is this guy? Why do I care?" Uh, oh, Lamau Moxley wins. I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Who is this guy?" I love this guy. <laughs> yes. The Lariat it, segment is, is brilliant. It's, oh, it's such a good thing, though, because it's literally the the match entirely piv- pivots around the thing of can Kojima hit the Lariat? Mm. Mm. So that, that's just the story that they work. It's just they're always building to that point, and it works really, really well. 
yeah, it's it's nuts that he could still do that at age fifty. Yeah, the fact that that man is fifty is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. Con- consider this, right? He's four years younger than Goldberg. Whoa! <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> So consider the fact that he is four years younger than Goldberg and he's working a 12-minute match. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, man. But, uh, that's, why, I... that's why I said to the, my friends, I was like, look, the, you'll realize when you watch this, all Japanese wrestlers are built different. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, they really are. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're built like 1950s cars, which were cars in the same way as tanks are cars. <laughs> yeah, because no, I was because I was talking to I was talking to my friend about well, okay, he was complaining about WWE, mm. and so me being my ever present self, I said, literally all the things you are complaining about can be solved by watching Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was like, literally everything you're saying here is something that is done better in another company. Go, you can go and watch them. And I said, like, bear in mind, Keiji Muto is, like, 56? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and is working, like, 20-minute matches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Japanese wrestlers that are built different, <clears throat> we're going to talk yeah. about who made their appearance in AEW. <laughs> I swear I heard you screaming from where you live. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think oh. I'm not hitting that Kaze Nino, eh? Like... Oh. <laughs> I was so happy to hear that and see the most handsome, murderous grandpa make his way out. Yeah, he, he really does have bodies, Barry, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. My God. Menorah have we, have, have, have we ever sent you the segment between him and Jay Lethal? I can't say that you have. There's a. It was when he made a guest appearance in Ring of Honor, and there's this spot where <clears throat> Jay Lethal just goes to chop Suzuki, <laughs> and he literally just sticks his tongue out and starts laughing in his face. <laughs> it is genuinely one of the most like, in in wrestling terms, it's actually almost disturbing. Yes. <laughs> it it really really is. I I, I tell you, man. You couldn't have had a segment with Suzuki and Mox better, could you? They just like, oh yeah, yeah, respect you, respect you. Now let's beat the crap out of one yeah. of them. <laughs> now, I mean, the respect is beating the now crap out. Now I'm going to end your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, oh my god, it's Suzuki. I'm a huge fan, and I need your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get it's into so how good. upset I was that they cut off Kaze Nino Rave in uh, Dynamite, but needless to say, I was nah, so happy fate, to see Suzuki but... in AEW. <laughs> um, yeah. We had a, we had a, I think, I think a, a good little match between Statlander and Britt Baker. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, the that. It was, that it, was, it, was a li- it was a little bit compressed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of that was the thing that kind of shocked me of how compressed it was. Yeah, actually. I think it was eleven minutes. It went. Yeah, yeah uh, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 20, Yeah, eleven twenty-five. I've got I've got all the the match card up. Yeah, it's cr- that's that was nuts. So they they kind of had to like pack a lot into like a tight time frame, which is difficult when you're when you have to like work towards a submission finisher exactly 
So it does leave everything a little bit compressed. But like, I'm happy that it was there. Um, you know, I it yeah. it it is what it is. It's mm. it's small progress for AEW's women's division, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, but to we'll, be we'll fair, to, to be to be fair though, I the the bigger problem is dynamite. <laughs> the bigger problem, yeah, dynamite is the bigger is problem. Dynamite, yeah. Yeah. The 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 pay per views are the pay the pay per views are the pay per views because yeah. like you know there's there's again there's other stuff that we'll get into throughout this but I mean I definitely think Statland is coming for that title soon yes <clears throat> um it'll be interesting to see who they do put to um beat Britt Baker yeah I was I, I because I honestly honestly thought, especially with Orange Cassidy, who showed an emotion and it freaked me out. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's, that's what I said yeah. to my friend. I was yeah. like, it kind of seemed weird they'd have him, you know, I'm going to say yeah. break character per se, <laughs> for that moment and still have Statlander lose. But, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Mm. <clears throat> um, moving on, though, with what I think is going to be Reardon's favorite match of the night. <laughs> By match of the year, probably. Probably. The Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks in the steel cage match for the AEW Tag Team titles. This match was something else. I was so f- afraid at one point. I was like, oh, no, they're going to book themselves to win, aren't they? <laughs> I was, for a moment, the way it was. But no, I'm so... Oh, what a match this was. From beginning to end just nothing but great moments from beginning to end What's a okay, up. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw this out here now right because I'm gonna want to address the people and go um indie gymnastics no, no. it's not that no, this it's was not. a lucha match and yes. it was being run as a lucha match it's a oh, that, quintessential that lucha is, libre match yeah. it literally. is literally just a lucha match like yeah. just watch triple a <laughs> That Watch match, CMLL, no. and that you match, understand. Yeah, that match was pretty much everything I, everything I love in wrestling put together. It was, it's like factory built five star match for me. Yeah, like um, a match that went into from a Spider Man fight to <laughs> the to the beatdown in Spider Man One. Yes. <laughs> With one of my with one of my favorite moments of Penta El Zero Medo literally like taking the bullet for his brother. Yeah. One of the most heartfelt moments I'd ever seen. Yeah. To an absolutely just beautiful everything top to bottom. I love this match so much. I could spend I could spend an hour talking about it. I will say, however, one thing. I am not used to straight up babyface Penta. It's it's especially it's a after watching to, it's a Underground. Thing, <laughs> it's a thing to adjust to mentally when you see a guy whose entire gear is based around like skulls no yeah. fear i'm going to murder you and being like yeah i really like him yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it, it was so disconcerting seeing like seeing the classic baby face get the family and the children moment to see what daddy won when the children is seeing a bleeding skull man it, it one of those things from off the mat is penta straight up 
leaves blood marks on his child. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh no. Yeah. He fully does. <laughs> yeah. Which Eva says. Which when I saw that, I was like, either that child is going to have nightmares, or that child is going to grow up to be Penta Junior, and I don't know which is worse. I think his child is just very comfortable with seeing him bleeding and is used to it by now and just accepts it as a fact of life. Yeah, which speaks to Penta Jr. is going to be terrifying. <laughs> just a terrifying, terrifying that's human just being. That's just growing up with a, with, a lucha li- with a luchador in the family, basically. Yes. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, oh, but, I can't say God, that I, I, Yeah, I, it's, it's nothing. However, I will say one thing. The, 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 um, the, the bum-tacked trainers uh, is one of the most horrifying images for two reasons. One, bum-tacked trainers is horrifying. Two, how dare they do that to some boss-ass trainers. Oh, <laughs> I'm not even a, I'm not even a sneak ahead in it. Were they, Jordan, were they Jordan 1s that they did that to? I think they were, like like custom Jordans. It hurt. It hurt <laughs> to see. Oh, okay. I'll say this, right? From this alone, I genuinely think Lucha Brothers have jumped up into the top three tag teams for me now. No, mm. that's the thing. Because like the thing with them in AEW was always that they were always really good. They always put on good matches. It's just mm. they, they just never gave them the titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God. Thank yeah. God they pulled the trigger on this one. Because I don't I don't know how if they were going to lose this one, I don't know when you'd give them the title if they were yeah. never gonna win it. Like, I, I think I actually would have screamed if they'd lost. Yeah. I... No, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, everything in this came out like amazingly. You get the great camera moments, Phoenix on top of the cage, which is looks just looks amazing. Oh, yeah. I feel sorry for the cameraman who's stuck in the corner the whole time. He must have been <laughs> that must have been an uncomfortable angle to shoot the match from. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm stood here for twenty minutes whilst these guys kick lumps out of each other. Oh, it's a fun tech trade. Oh god damn it. <laughs> I've got to zoom in on that now. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, who doesn't love a good old top rope destroyer? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jim Cornette, but I digress. Yeah, I know, but we don't listen to him, so. (laughs) I remember people there and they're like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I can't wait until people give out their ratings and whatever. And I'm like, I literally do not listen to Davey Meltman. So (laughs) (laughs) he can say whatever. I literally do not care. Um, Ruby Soho making her debut appearance as the Joker in the Casino Battle Royale. What? Uh, winning, eliminating Thunder Rosa, now has an AEW Women's World title shot. How which I, could I believe be... is coming on the un- upcoming Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I could not be yeah. any more happier for her. Because yeah. seriously, um... the reception she got was incredible. Yeah. I will say a few things. One, I did not recognize Ruby Soho. <laughs> I straight up did. I was like, who's that? And I looked it up. I'm like, is she related to Ruby? That, that's Ruby, right? What? They don't yeah. look, looks nothing alike. I don't know what happened. It's fascinating. Is it because she doesn't have green hair anymore? It, it, it can't be that simple. Or company mandated hair extensions. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Was but, um... I'm glad for Ruby Soho, but this was the match that 
I, I, no match on this card was bad, but it's the match I, I liked the least, to be quite honest. No, just because like, there, was, there was a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. there I, I don't think the, the, the casino <laughs> by the Royale like stipulations work. I just don't think it works. But they're, they're, dying, they're willing to die on the hill for it, which I can commend them for, but I, I, there's something about it. I kind of, the, it loses the luster of entrance when you have to, when you do. Yeah. A row and then you know you leave it a while and then do another four in a row uh i don't know there must be i'm sure yeah. it'll, it'll work somehow by switching up the I formula think, i think i think it just needs a little bit more time to breathe yeah like if you said if you like brought out the suit and then like you did one person then like 30 seconds and then the next i think that, that, that kind of gives you like a two minute moment to like let everything breathe mm. and like to be fair that a, a lot of this was kind of this weird com it was like this weird agglomeration of like lots of little matches happening at the same time yeah and like there's other stuff where i'm like you know really i know like obviously they're doing their own personal feuds and stuff but like Did Emi, Hikaru, Shida, and Riho all have to start attacking each other immediately? Yeah. <laughs> mm. And also, like, I know obviously Nyla Rose was in there and made the final three, mm -hmm. but also, like, <clears throat> Riho and Hikaru, Shida are also former women's world champions for your company. Like, I feel like that should be a little bit more prescient. Yeah. <laughs> um... And they had like stuff with like uh, the Bonnie and mm. was it Penelope Ford? Yeah, I think it was Penelope. Who Ford. were doing like their own? Who were like doing their own stuff? <clears throat> and like just like going after certain people. Mm -hmm. It just kind of felt a bit disjointed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I get you there. Yeah. But still, it is what it is. Um, and now Ruby has her title shot that's coming i believe the upcoming dynamite it might be the dynamite at arthur ash yes i believe mm. so um which should be which just should, should be great assuming they give it the time it needs to to breathe and work out i hope so i i, I, I yeah. fingers crossed i really hope so yeah okay agreed agreed uh Moving on to the next match, Chris Jericho beats MJF by submission. This match was kind of, I was like, yeah, I get it. Same, same. It was okay. Yeah, it, it was, it was passable. Uh, I mean, honestly, honestly, I, wow. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by the, um, by the, 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 um, the low reception from you guys. I thought this match was fucking great. I, yeah. It was, it was a really good match. I feel like I'm letting my personal. Um, I don't know. Over time, I've kind of soured on both of the characters. Think, hmm. Mm, I I get what you mean. Um, <laughs> I don't know because like a lot of stuff I've had around MJF recently is I'm like actually. Mm. I don't know. I feel like he's pushing closer towards just being like edgy. I get mm. rather than like. Rather than like the thing that he became known for, 
was never breaking kayfabe, of course. And I well, it wasn't even that. It was just like like when he he used to do the segments, and I was like, you know what, I can I can get that. I can like understand what he's about and what he's doing, and mm. you know, like I get the character. But now it just kind of feels like he's just like he just Did feels like an edgy teen, an edgy teen teenager on a forum board. <laughs> God, maybe, maybe that's why maybe that's why the heat works for me so much because i hate that guy yeah 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 i say fair play to him though for for mocking jericho's uh wwf entrance yeah, yeah. i rate that i rate, that, I rate that a lot also i felt that the false finish was a bit too much in the sense of it, it uh, uh, of the of the free count the bell happening and having another official come down to 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 reiterate yeah. to all the efforts that it was I, I i love i love the idea of it yeah, it was really... made well in execution I it, felt. it's it's a really really good idea the problem is it's, it's never been qualified before and it's it's they set it out like it's super situational because mm. it just happened to be another official at ringside clearing away a brawl. Yeah. Mm. And then the official saw it and was like, oh, by the way, we need to change it up. <laughs> so it's like, oh, if this thing wasn't happening, we wouldn't get this. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? I, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really, I really <clears throat> like this match quite a lot, to be quite honest. I'm not That's saying good. it was a bad we respect match. Your opi- we respect no, no, no. your opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I just like. But I don't know. It didn't hit me quite as much as all the <clears> other <throat> matches that happened. If you know what I mean. Yeah, spare. Uh, the next match in particular, I, I really enjoyed. This match is good. very. This match is very interesting for me. I love. I like. I loved. You know, CM Punk beat Darby Allen. I, I it seemed that I called it. I called that CM Punk was gonna win. Yeah, I don't think they were ever gonna make Punk lose in Chicago. We're coming back <laughs> to the ring after seven years. True. It's true. It's true. Uh, but, um Darby Allen once again did that oh that dive out of the ring made me cringe out of my uh, skin. Oh when he does the Sonic oh, when he does the Sonic yeah. ring Darby just bounces off yeah, and also the one off the and also the one off the ring post was like no 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 no, no, no. I was I literally I, I I my skin crawled seeing that Jesus <laughs> Christ. Actually, what I liked about this match, I don't know if this was a very deliberate thing in terms of how they uh, they uh, made the match and worked around with the match, but the whole match was built on Punk's ring rust. Yeah. And I really enjoyed yeah. that Punk, you could tell that Punk was was slowly getting back into the groove of things. And by the end of it, he he's he's back to being the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, one thing I did like a lot of people picked out, some in good faith, some in bad faith, <clears throat> was the, uh, you know, them, them linking back to Bret Hart versus 1-2-3-Kid. Yeah, mm. I actually I thought that was actually really good. Actually, because I think because mm. like yeah. like, the thing is, I know people will be like, "Oh, they're just copying spots and whatever," and I'm like, "But actually, though, it's a really good way of understanding the story, as in a very technical wrestler against a, te- a wrestler who's just a lot quicker." Mm. No, it's great. It's a great. Little it's a good way back. of getting those little bits across. Yeah, no, also, I agree, I'm going to yeah. say this. I pref- I actually kind of almost prefer Punk in tights. Ah. Uh, 
You know what? You know what? I think it is. I'm like, if it was the tights with the with the classic like long thigh thigh boots, I would have I would have liked it more. The the fact that it kind of like it 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 didn't quite work for me. <laughs> I, I I think it was like when I was looking at it, I was like, it's the it's not the it's not the actual full tights. It's the boots. You know what? It, you, what? you know what? You know what punk needs. Punk needs what? to have the the trunks design, but like from the front and back. Uh, yeah. on the tights and i think it makes mm. it look a lot better he could do something a little bit more creative in the sides of mm. the tights i think but have that yeah. trunk design on like the trunk part of the tights and yeah, that's no, it really needs cool it. And creative it needs it. Yeah. it needs it yeah. <laughs> i don't hate it i don't i don't yeah. i don't hate no, it no i don't i don't hate it mm. i don't hate it it's just uh it's just uh <laughs> If you if I was to if I was to change it up it'd be the boots. It's the boots that I <laughs> yeah. really go back to the old school <laughs> kick pads punk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when that's when it worked. Uh then we had our nice little kind of quick filler match. Cutie Marshall, someone that can eat a pin and it not really make much of a difference. In a mm. good way. Yeah. I'll say this much about watching this match. There was a part of me that was watching this match and watching, seeing QT Marshall with Solo and Komaroto, and I thought to myself, I miss Anthony Agogo. Yeah. Mm. He was... I, I genuinely think if he didn't have that injury that that, that happened, uh, when he comes back, I genuinely think he's going to come back and be one of the best heels in the company. <laughs> no, he's got potential for it, man. I mean, I if you've you. seen his Twitter game, as ever, it's so oh, yeah. good. <laughs> And that I thought the whole Cody, the the whole him and Cody storyline was great. I loved that one because basically, oh no, it was great. It was that Bret Hart thing. In Ca- it's the Bret Hart in Canada thing, isn't it? Is that yeah. in America, Anthony Gogo's a heel, but over here, he's fucking beloved. It's like that. It's like that. Um, it's like that um, tweet my friend sent me, where he's like, um, the <laughs> uh, re the reason that. Um, they turned Mag- Magneto into basically being a hero. Is that ever since we've gotten further from Reagan, it's harder to see Magneto as wrong? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> that is true. That is. Um, and I'm like, the thing is, right? Anyone that's not in the US is, was looking at Ogogo and being like, you know what? He's basically just talking facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he isn't wrong. <laughs> also, he's, he's, just... he's the heel. <laughs> yeah, I'm like everyone's like the Americans, like. Oh, you saying all this? Literally, all the non-Americans who I just saw on Twitter were just like, "Yeah, I can't lie. He's kind of right." <laughs> <laughs> also, may I add as well that a go-go um, uh, critiquing Paul White's technique and a punch is amazing. Yeah. Saying that you've got sloppy technique in punching. <laughs> he lifts his foot off the ground when he goes for the punch. That's not how you punch someone. <laughs> He was, just going, he was going for a Superman. No. <laughs> but no, good filler match. Paul White. It's always good to see Paul White in the ring, and I just love the fact that they got the guy who sang his uh, his theme song back in to sing his AEW song. It had to be done. It had to be done. Look, they understood the assignment. Exactly. Yes. And they followed through. And then our main event. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AW World Title. <clears throat> Christian man, Christian took bumps. Christian and then man, suffered. Christian man. He, he was always a really good bumper. Christian, like, God, like God, the moment I watched Christian Cage doing his stuff, I'm like, 
Lord, if if Edge just leaves and just give him the match in AEW, just do yeah. it. Please, 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 please. Uh, Christian, Christian Christian's all along. Christian was Madness. so good in that match. So, so good. good. That table spot. Oh my god, that oh, table spot. He is a 40-year-old man. All I'm saying is I think it was I think it might have been Christian from Tiger Driver who said, I don't know what it is. Actually, no, I know it, what it was. I I want some of the stem cells and steroids that Christian's yeah. been using. Yes. Yeah. Some, someone buck me some of those, please. Yeah. Because <laughs> my man, use them. That man moving like it's 2008. What? But no, they just, just think, yeah. just honestly, just think, man. People were sitting on this for years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? You know what, Dan? I when I watched this match, I thought of you, and I thought, I'm such a fool. I'm such a fool. I like <laughs> Christian, but I didn't realize. I didn't realize until this match just how fucking good he is. Dear yeah. God. God damn it, yeah, they pulled out of the bag. Good match. Very solid match from the pair of them. I was, I think we all kind of knew that it was going to be, the result was going to be uh, Kenneth the Omega mm. winning yeah. this one. Uh, via shenanigans. Uh, <clears throat> and a call back to the Rampage match by uh, yeah. having, the, have, uh, doing the uh, the chair spot, but also doing the, uh, but then ending that with the top rope one wing danger, which by the way, Good lord, how I'm, I'm hoping your neck is made out of jello or something like the, the same material used for Stretch Armstrong, Christian. Is someone, is, someone, is someone playing Wu Tang Clan because protect your neck? My god, my god. I, I will say, however, one thing Kenny Omega saying that I do that is the single most horrifying sound i've ever heard so in my basically, life basically i'm i was gonna bring this up i was just gonna say how cursed is it seeing kenny omega quote urkel written? <laughs> you know it's cursed that and it's that combined with the fucking mutton chop beard the triple oh, h we, we, we are in a reality where kenny omega quoted steve urkel in a world title match on pay-per-view. Twice, may I add. Twice, like, may I add. We're in a I don't weird. even know if I'm angry at him doing that or just him. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's the feeling. I, the moment I heard that, I was like, I don't know who to blame. <laughs> Oh, but we get to the end no. of that match and Kenny's cutting yeah. a promo saying, you know, I've defeated everyone. Basically, the only people that could defeat me now are in another company or they're dead. Lights then, go out. Bang. Oh, <sighs> my God. I was... We, all, we were all <clears throat> expecting someone, but good Lord, I was not expecting Adam Cole to come out. Look, right, just... I, just need, I just need to get my line in, okay? I need to get okay. it in. WWE really lost one of the best people on their roster because they wouldn't let him stream on Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, wild. Wild. But here that comes here comes the happy. boom. Holy crap, Adam Cole, man. And I don't know how I don't know how I'm meant to boo him. I really don't know how I'm meant to boo this man. By pairing him with the Young Bucks. <laughs> there, there we go. I'm sure, but is that going to be enough? We'll see. Yeah, so, we'll see. 
I remember I was talking to Joseph about this. Uh, I saw him tweeting as well because he tweeted one simple letter, K, when he's when when Adam Cole came out, <laughs> and he said I was a little bit angry about it because oh my god they're just going to go all right it's no problem Adam Cole but I'm still a bit because eh, I was thinking so of course they do the whole shtick Adam Cole's now aligned himself with the elite. Uh, and Kenny Omega wants to see them out of a happy ending, so he goes, Good night, uh, goodbye, and Mwah. and suddenly ride of the Valkyrie's place. <laughs> Holy crap, oh, yes. it's Brian Danielson. The mad lad Tony Khan did it. Love to see it. Ah, uh, I can't wait for this man to. I love the fact as well that it's a booty-shaking version of Ride of the Valkyries. Oh, yeah, no. They saw Daniel Bryan and were like, all right, by the way, by the way, Ruckus, when you make his theme, people have got to be able to throw it back. Like, (laughs) you just need to. It's... It's weird. like I it it took a second listen for me to really like actually like it. Not because it's bad. It's not, not. because it's so different. It's Daniel it's Brian Danielson. It's oh, I, like God. booty anthems and Brian Danielson is not something I considered. Daniel Bryan X Meg the Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it, boys. <laughs> I, I don't even know. My what God, the, the mad like. lad Tony Khan going. All right, well, what should we do? Should we have, uh, should we have Brian or Adam? Fuck it, let's just do both. <laughs> let's get both of them. Wow, 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 wow! The thing I the thing I love the most, right, <clears throat> is all these people who are gonna be seeing an unhinged Daniel Bryan yeah, Anderson for the yeah. first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I, I the love, moment I, I saw... I love that he was there and was like... Because like, he did his um, stuff afterwards and was like, no, look, they offered me a bunch of really good stuff. They even said I could go and work the G1, which is, like, speculative. Mm. As you know, saying to someone, hey, by the way, you could go and work the G1. Oh, but also there's a, still a state of emergency and travel is incredibly difficult to Japan. Yeah. Mm. Um, but him just being like honestly I just want something different and I want to start testing my physical limits again and I'm just like that's not a good idea but I welcome it yeah, yeah I'm like I'm like, <laughs> it's like yay I want, to, I want to do something different yay I want to test my physical limits again no no <laughs> I love where he, he quoted during the media scrum because Punk said you know he said, you know Punk came here and he said he wanted to help the young guys out he said no I just want to kick their fucking heads in <laughs> Yeah, the fact yeah. that they included that chant in um, oh, it's so great in, in the song makes it even better because once again, British culture succeeds. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely, it does. But wow, what a way we to cap- stay winning? <laughs> what a way to cap off an event? Yeah, and uh, man, this one's gonna live live in the in the in the annals of wrestling history i think for a very 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 long time because like obviously there's a bunch of stuff that um people who i'm gonna say are framing themselves as anti-aew which makes no sense in today's day and age to which to which my answer is i literally do not care like (laughs) the wrestling that you like don't attack people for liking things that you necessarily don't like mm-hmm. because that achieves nothing yeah. and it's just a waste of mental energy <clears throat> um 
But what I'm going to say is that people were there saying, oh, that's all well and good having these indie people or these people that were from, you know, in wherever, ROH or whatever, or people that got released from Mm. WWE. But they now have the casual viewer in Brian Danielson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They have the person who was always tipped to be WWE's biggest and best prospect for the future that they lost because they wouldn't let him stream on Twitch. They've got, and now, I mean... I mean, and also the thing with the thing with Brian Danielson is that he was there and was like, no, they offered me a good thing. I just wanted something different. Yeah. Mm. Like, he, he actively chose that. That's crazy. So yeah. crazy when you think about it. What's even crazier is that Europe wanted fifty thousand dollars per use no, of the right. final countdown. Because I, I, I said this to you guys, and admittedly, I, I'm not a professional musician. I am a hobbyist. Yeah. Right. But I think I understand supply and demand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you have one song that people want to use. I'm fairly sure they think, you know what, we can just jack up the price on this. Yeah. Yeah. So all I'll say is I, I kind of, I wholeheartedly welcome twerking Ride of the Valkyries. Yeah. That <laughs> is a sentence. Ride of the Valkyries, <laughs> if the composer was from Atlanta. Twerk of the Valkyries. Could you imagine that? Valkyries yeah. just coming down from Valhalla, just shaking their boobies. It ain't over till the Valkyries ends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there we go. That's one way to end the news, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that we're done with the news then on that note. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. It's obviously that it, it is just such a, a big thing that has come and now happened. And obviously you had the, uh, the dynamite afterwards, which was all pretty much great, aside from... Um, Again, the same problem around the women's matches. Yeah. Um, the women hardly even really being featured in segments either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a thing that they need to do. And I think when we get to October, we'll probably do a big round table kind of thing about representation in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. spoken about it before, but that'll probably be the best time to do it. Absolutely. Um, uh, I will say it was good to see the, uh, the six-woman tag on Rampage. Yeah, because uh, they did really kind of get a bit of time to really get down to everything, and also Andrade versus Pack oh. was fantastic on that match. The finish was a bit, uh, but it, for the most part, ninety-five percent of the match was fantastic. It was a lucha dusty finish, <clears throat> basically. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, basically everything in that match was absolutely killer. Um, I haven't had a ha- chance. I had a full rundown on lots of WWE stuff. I still need to catch up on bits of NXT, and I mean, I haven't watched Raw, but I've been told it wasn't even worth it. So, uh, but I did heard that. I did hear that. I believe uh, Edgen Rollins had a match that was really good mm-hmm. on SmackDown that went about thirty minutes. Um, but again, um, yeah, that that's its own. That's its own thing to yeah. really contend with. Uh, I believe they had a women's segment on SmackDown, but I don't believe they had a women's match on SmackDown. No, they haven't had a women's weeks. segment for two weeks. Wow. 
because I know the most recent one had Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Yeah. Which again, which again has its own kind of thing that I understand why people are a little bit iffy about it. I won't go into the specifics of um, uh, of, uh, of Bruce Pritchard and his seemingly inane dislike for women's wrestling, but Bruce Pritchard has been the one that has been overseeing WWE the past couple of weeks because Vince has been uh, away on on um, attending to Triple H, of course, for his cardiac event. But all yeah. I'll say is, Bruce, get your head out of the 80s. Women's wrestling is better than it ever has been, so dude, book it properly, mate. That's all I'm saying about it. <clears throat> Yeah, basically. And again, when we get to October, we'll have this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but with that, though, we are done with the news, and I believe it's over to Recommendation Corner. Oh, Reardon, right. Reardon's got... I mean, I've got a little one, but Reardon has the main floor. You know what, actually? We'll do the little one real quick. Because... Okay, so it blows my mind. I was I was actually helped with walking the King's Road, which is something I still can't believe Hell I get to yeah. say. Hell yeah. So I, I, and not only that, but I got to do quite possibly the most anticipated episode of walking the king's road which was 6394 and judging by the reaction from a lot of people it surprised a lot of people and a lot of people have enjoyed that video as well so head on over to joseph's channel uh, joseph montecidio's channel to check out episode 14 of walking the king's road so happy i got to be a small part of that but yes reardon shall we talk about it for a little bit Right. So um, I know that on the podcast, dear listener, we, we go into tangents, which makes that this, which means that some of our episodes are very long. <laughs> this is going to be one of them. I'm sorry, but it has to be discussed. <laughs> Matrix Resurrections trailer dropped. Hell week. yeah. And okay. All I'm saying, right, first off, really glad that they, they uh, re- um that they reinvigorated uh, the What is the Matrix uh, web address. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they I got that I was really back. hyped to see that, and that, that yeah. come back, but also have a, an interactive teaser that would actually tell you what time it is. Like, you would be, you believe the time is uh, seven minutes past four, when in fact, you know, and it would show snippets of the trailer and little bits here and there and i was getting really hyped up for it and then the trailer dropped on thursday and wow wow so the matrix is the most important movie of my life it literally is i have a running thing of when it comes to my favorite movies of all time like two to ten to to a hundred all it changes on my on my whims on my day to day on how I feel. There is only one movie that has forever gotten the top spot, and it is The Matrix. Yeah. To say that I am hyped is an understatement. It's an understatement. I cannot believe that this exists. Same. I cannot believe it exists. It looks to be as incredible and as utterly weird ass as every single matrix movie has ever been that's what i wanted because i heard uh neil patrick harris saying in an interview that this was going to feel this was going to feel different from the other three but from the trailer alone it does look like the air of absolute that the air of confusion and what the hell is going on is still prevalent within the Oh, matrix. absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. really the centre of the Matrix. Yes. 
Yeah, like the question really was how, um, for a lack of a better term, how generic was this going to be? Was just just going to be like a quick little victory lap, which you know, which we all kind of thought maybe it could be. It, like even though like five percent and then ninety five percent was like oh yes no it's being made by Wachowski so <laughs> that, that is not going to happen. I, I, the, the the people that were that penned this as well blew blew my mind. So not only did Lana write it but also David Mitchell and Alexander uh, Hemon uh, co-wrote mm. the script as well. And I was like whoa you getting two you getting those two in as well. I'm like yeah because I believe the, um, that the Lana writer of Cloud Atlas. Mm. I believe because I believe that they've ever since Cloud Atlas that the Wachowskis have been very much had a close relationship with David Mitchell, as well. I believe that really makes sense. Well, really. From what I've heard about um, Mitchell's work, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. So, um, <laughs> I'm so excited. There's a lot of like I don't want to go through like a a a, um, a full trailer by trailer. Just go watch it. Yeah, I've yeah, watched it. Watch it. I have what I watched it like five times in a row when I when it came out and I would probably continue to watch it. So it, the one thing screen. I have to ask is because there's been a bit of a fallout. Um a lot of uh, upset fans, I guess some rightly so, seeing that Lawrence Fishburne um is not long no longer gonna be playing Morpheus and they're going to be played by Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. Oh we don't well that's what we all think is gonna be and that's the thing. I said, let's just wait because I get the feeling that this isn't the Morpheus. Yeah. Well, like, so what I was going to say is, right, because it's worth talking about it as a piece of media that mm. also somewhat borrows from it. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, here's super specific um, uh, tangent time. <laughs> or super specific reference time, sorry. Mm. Uh you guys are all gamers, or any gamers here, uh, you may c cast your minds back to the promotional material for Metal Gear Solid 2. Yes. Yeah, I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of people talking where, about... Yeah. Where they obviously heavily feature the the well-known character of Solid Snake, Big Boss, depending whichever way you want to go about it, or don't get into Metal Gear Solid lore. It's incredibly complicated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, they... In the game, you play as Raiden, and lots of people were really annoyed about this, despite, you know, it being a literal central point of the game. Yeah. Of which a center point of it is about uh, misinformation in the digital age. Man, that would never come back to bite us, would it? <laughs> um, you know, like, again... Con considering a literal central point of the Matrix is questioning what is real, I have a feeling that might be what they're going for here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, you honestly, the most important. Sh there are many important shots that I will not spoil for people who haven't gone and seen it. I will, however, see tell. However, for the Matrix heads out there, there is a scene where people are on mobile phones, which, if you know the Matrix, is an important detail. Yes. So, I expect this movie. I expect this movie to piss me off in a couple of ways. I do. Yeah. I have made my peace with that. It's gonna be. It's it's certainly gonna be something to watch. Oh. And with I the, can't wait. Uh, I with wait. the two years um, that 
has been the the hellscape that has been the planet Earth. The fact that I have something that is seemingly on the horizon to really be excited for is is kind of really Dude, you've invigorated got me. We've got Matrix coming up. We've got Dune. Yeah, I can say a double feature of the Matrix and Dune is probably the most nerdiest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot of nerdy things in this in this era we live in. So basically, and I'm going would... to have Ray-Bans and a nose piece, basically, in me. So I'm, what, are you, what are you watching, sir? Both. Yo, wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine, right, a cinema that just did all of the Matrix movies followed by Dune? <laughs> So, oh, the entire day in the cinema. No. Yeah, yeah, like the, the entirety of the Matrix, the Matrix, the Matrix original trilogy, an intermission of Dune, and then Resurrections. So remember, re- also remember as well that this movie was supposed to premiere alongside John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah, that's madness. <laughs> now that's a double bill. I'm honest. Yeah, that, that is something that I was considering, like doing a big Keanu-sans. Like going through John Wick, all the all of his action movies, John Wick, and then Matrix Resurrections. It's like there's a lot of lead up to this, considering it's this Christmas. So yeah, like, we're gonna we're gonna go for it. And but that's my only recommendation, as it will probably be my the same recommendation next week. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, it will be. And oh, we have no shame about that fact. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you want a recommendation from me. Uh, staying on my theme of uh, making niche game references, um, actually on Xbox right now, you can get the Zone Zone of the Enders collection for free. Really? So yes. go do that. Honestly, nice. get it. It's really good. Zone get the, the Zone of the Enders yeah. HD collection for free. Uh, oh, I nice. got it because I haven't played Zone of the Enders in bloody years. <laughs> Um, so go do it. The only yeah, reason yeah, yeah. anyone played Zone in the End back in my day was because it came with the demo for MGS2. I can't lie. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good game. But yes, no, highly, that, that, comes, that, that comes highly recommended. Anyway, shall we get on with this week's episode? Let's do it. Yes, yes. All about the Guerrero family. Wow, man. This was so much fun to go back and, and kind of not only just get a little bit of the history of, of the Guerrero family and its patriarch but also just the connecting lines and kind of who is still around today wrestling. It's so cool. It was so cool. But let us get on and start with the aforementioned patriarch of the family, Gory Guerrero. So the Guerrero family seriously needs no introduction. The most famous family in all of Lucha Libre. The family of El Paso, Texas spans three generations in pro wrestling, and they expanded the view of Lucha Libre across the world. But as we all know, it started with one man, Gory Guerrero. Born Salvador Guerrero Quesada, he was born in Arizona in 1921 with his parent with his parents migrating to America shortly before his birth. He attended school regularly, irregularly, when his parents moved to California up until the age of nine, when sadly his mother passed away. At very so at a very young age, his mother uh, just unexpectedly passed away, which is which is really upsetting to hear when I when I saw that and around yeah. the age of 14 Gory and his father would move back to Mexico specifically Guadalajara where his father was able to use his uh, the English language skills he picked up in California to make a living as an interpreter around this time 
Gori joined a gym in Guadalajara with the intention, actually, of learning boxing. <laughs> but after uh. discovering Lucha Libre, he found his true calling in life. Training under the tutelage of, the second time I brought this guy's name up, Diablo Velasco. And it's such Raul a banger Romero. name, I can't even lie. Yeah, Diablo Velasco. I feel after <laughs> in next year's Bob, we're gonna I'm gonna have to really do my research on the episode of Diablo Velasco. I, I gotta tell See, you. But that's gotta... the thing though. Like I'd love to do these absolutely like random deep dive things, but I feel like the information is gonna be so difficult to find. If we dedicate the time to it though, we could probably absolutely. do it. Yeah. Absolutely. We'd have, we'd have to buy some we'd have to buy some books. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, being trained by Velasco and Romero, Guerrero quickly picked up on Lucha Libre and made his debut in September 1937 in a losing effort to El Rojo. At this time, he was wrestling under the name Joe Morgan. Okay, that's a choice. (laughs) That is the jobber of jobber names. (laughs) That is... He was competing in Mexico as Joe Morgan. Yes. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after having a string of matches noted for their vicious bloodshed, he changed his name to Gory Guerrero. We should say Lucha does have a very rich history of I guess pseudo death matches. Pretty much. And it's quite on the nose, isn't it? It's like, okay, I've had really good matches, but I've spilled a lot of blood. What can I. You know what? Screw it. I can't be called Joe Morgan anymore. I want to be known as a Guerrero. But Gory Guerrero, yeah. GG, I, I got mean, it. Look, right? Alliteration works. It, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it just, it just works. It just works. <laughs> it absolutely does. And the rest is history, basically. Yeah, no, again, we, we should say that there is a, a very rich history of um, hardcore wrestling and, yeah, you know, blood spilling in Lucha Libre. Basically, <clears throat> if you look at footage from the late 80s and 90s, you'll see how blood-stained uh, canvases yeah. were in Mexico. <laughs> So, yeah, as I said, the rest is history. He had, a, of course, a noted tag team uh, with El Santo, as we discussed last week. Uh, blood baths with his heated rival, Cavanerio Galindo, and many, many championships to his name, including the noted NWA middleweight championship, which, if you didn't know in last week's episode, is the oldest title still in circulation. You love to see it. I assume that would would have to be in CMLL then. Yes, it is indeed. Gory was noted as quite the innovator of Lucha and wrestling as a whole, inventing a whole array of moves and holds, the most famous, of course, being the Camel Clutch. What? Yep, Gory Guerrero was the inventor and innovator of the Camel Clutch, originally known as La De A Caballo, a move adopted, of course, by many Middle Eastern gimmicks and wrestlers for generations. I can't believe that he did. So, it was the lucha wrestlers making people humble. Yes. So, here's a fam- very famous story. Uh, a very infamous story, if you've heard. Um, Muhammad Hassan, Mark Kapani, during his time uh, when he was in Raw, when he was on Raw and SmackDown, there was a very famous story of, of I believe it might have been Bradshaw that was hazing him. 
Uh, yeah, it would be Bradshaw. Oh, saying Bradshaw. that, you know, you, you finish as the camel clutch, right? Well, you should have a go at Eddie Guerrero and tell him to stop using the camel clutch. Little oh, did no. Mark know that his father invented the camel clutch. That's just rude. Why? Why must he be like this? <laughs> I don't. I can't be hundred percent sure if it was JBL or not. But I think it sounds like something it's, it's very, you would do. It's, it's a very JBL story. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, of course he was known for inc- inventing as well the gory special, the the yep. most flashy, the flashiest stretch hold in wrestling. Basically, if you if you've seen it, it's basically a a backbreaker, a backbreaker kind of chin lock i guess you could say it is yeah it's kind of it's a move that used to be done a lot but it's kind of like you get into a hold for like a an old i say an old school neck breaker like a rick rude neck breaker yeah because the art that because uh if you would cast your mind back to our episode all the way back in on les kellett yes (laughs) you'll see you'll see a lovely move that i want more wrestlers now to do which is just put them into the hold for like a Rick Rude neck breaker and then basically just try and hoist them over their shoulder. Yes. Yeah. It's because it I looks like hell. it hurts like hell. Um, I, the Gory special basically works similarly, but you pick them up, you put them in that same hold for a neck breaker, uh, and lift their you lift their legs up so their feet are kind of resting on your thighs yeah. and then just like squat and stretch. Yes. Uh, this move's <clears throat> legacy, though, has gone on to create many moves from its origins. The Gory Bomb, the Barry White Driver, Hell the yeah. Heart Special, and the Widow's Peak, all owe thanks to the Gory Special. Now, if you don't know what the Barry White Driver is, Reardon, it's basically... Yeah, I was about to, I was about to ask. <laughs> the Barry White Driver, I think, made famous... I believe it might have been Excalibur or Super Dragon. I can't remember which of the one, uh, which of the two it, it was. It sounds like an Excalibur thing. So it's from the gory special position, but then he flips them over into a pile driver. That sounds like it could murder someone. <laughs> and knowing PWG, it probably, no, it probably did look like it murdered someone. I'm trying to think because I think also... Yeah, no, oh no, uh, yeah, the very one thing of it is basically the Stu Hart special. It was the one um, Hallow Wicked used to do. Yes, that's the one, yeah. Um, but can I just say, take a moment here to say, the Widow's Pete is a banging finisher and I won't have, I won't be taking questions. Uh, like a gory special into a neck breaker is just like, oh, it's the peak. I don't even the care. Peak, it, pun intended. it bangs. It bangs. And I won't be taking questions. Again, I'll. T- Another weird tangent, uh, but I heard this on the uh, the Chris Van Vliet show, uh, the one where uh, Victoria was uh, was on there. Now Victoria yeah. had learned the widow's peak from Roderick Strong, believe it or not. She Uh-oh. went to do the move. Okay, was that was going to be the finish of the uh, of the the ma- one of her very first matches? She does the move. Was really happy. I think it was with uh, against Molly Holly. They do the move. Molly's very. It was a very safe move to take. Molly's absolutely fine. Vince wasn't a big fan of the idea of it, but once he saw it, he said that was pretty good. One week later, decides to give it to Stacy Keebler. Ah. <laughs> now. <laughs> I spy an issue here. <laughs> 
and that's that Stacy Keebler is not built like Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that that's for that's... true. <laughs> that is for true. <laughs> That is the true true. <laughs> but she did make the Duchess of Dudleyville look good, so there we go. <laughs> there you go. You can't... What can you say? What can you say? <laughs> but yeah, in 1947, Gori married Herlinda Yanez, who herself was re- uh, related to Enrique Yanez, one of the premier wrestlers in Lucha's early days. Together, they had two girls and four boys. The boys' names were Chavo... Mondo, Hector, and Eddie. And this brings us to the Guerrero family tree. And Shout out Mondo Hector. Mondo oh. Guerrero, sorry. So it brings us to the family tree. We have Gori and Herlinda at the top. And the sons, Chavo Senior, or Chavo Classic. Mondo, yeah. Hector, and we have Eddie and the daughters, Maria and Linda. And of course, Vicky as well. That is in there yeah. as well. Uh, but man, I will go down the, the list of, of the Guerrero family tree. Chavo Senior, probably the most prolific before we, of course, we get to the, you know, the main yeah. dude. Uh, but the firstborn and one of the most prolific out of a lot of them. A very, very long career for Chavo <laughs> yeah. Senior. He didn't retire until 2004 he debuted in i believe it was 1974 wow and of course we all know if anyone knows charvo classic they know of if they're like a fleet like a like a casual knowledge of charvo they know of his run with his son but also his run as cruiserweight champion (laughs) yes that was a thing that happened which was, uh, I loved it, if you ask me. I loved the dynamic of Charvo Jr. and his manager being his dad. I liked that version, that like that heel version of Charvo. Oh, yeah. And I think shortly after that uh, alliance happened, we got Charvo's greatest theme song of all time. You know, ooh, Charvo. Hell oh, yeah. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Love it. I, don't, Love I, like, it. I like family managers in wrestling. I think it's good. Absolutely, absolutely. We get to Mondo and Hector, who, by all accounts, were the most prolific of the two in terms of tag team wins. They would go on to have a really, really good legacy as as a tag team, picking up, I believe it was the AWA Tag Team Championships, as well as the NWA uh, America's Tag Championships. <coughs> Either that, it was Chavo and Hector, or it was Mondo and Hector. But all three of them yeah. would actually pair with one another on and off in the late 70s and mid uh, to uh, and mid 80s um as i said picking up many tag championships along the way would you believe that chavo and mundo actually would go after the awa tag championships that were being held by diamond dallas pages bad company the team of paul diamond and pat tanaka now it's just a weird fact of history yeah. That is a really weird fact. That's an odd one. That really is. Because as everyone knows, DDP got his start as a manager and didn't pick up yeah. wrestling until he was 32. Yeah. And didn't debut, I believe, until he was 35. 
I've still got time, boys. I've still we got still, time. Well, yeah, we still got time. We still got time. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's um, that's what that's eighties, nineties, thirty-year-old. Yeah, we're a little, we're behind actually. We can actually do it. <laughs> of course, we get to. Uh, of course, I, I, I would be remiss bringing up Hector without mentioning the gobbledygooker. Yeah, it's kind of one of it. He got the short end of the straw. So, yeah, yeah, we had two debuts in Survivor Series of 1990. We had The Undertaker, and then we had the gobbledygooker, unfortunately portrayed by Hector Guerrero. (laughs) Did you know that at one point uh, Mark Calloway was uh, was absolutely afraid because he thought he was going to debut as the goddamn gobbledygooker? Could you imagine if the Undertaker came out of the egg? <laughs> See, now I know. Now I'm imagining the alternate reality where we all cried when the gobbledygooker lost his lost his. That's what I mean. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I say to people. I'm there, and I'm like, look, that's technically a reality that could have existed. What if the Undertaker didn't get over, but the gobbledygooker did? <laughs> uh, Oh, I don't. I I bear not thinking about it. If I'm on, <laughs> yeah, it bears not thinking about. <laughs> of course, we talk. We've talked a little bit about Charvo Junior, who made his debut in uh, 1994. Yep, and shortly made mm-hmm. his way into WCW. Ch- Charvo Junior is a bit of a hard one to talk about in his early career because I don't think they took him very all that seriously. Because uh, one time he came to the ring, Charvo, just thinking of anything to try and you know spice up his character. He came with a with a one of those hobby horse things, the horses on a stick thing. One time, and then he, Eric Bischoff liked it so much that he had to stick with that and make it his gimmick. Oof! I'm trying to remember what um what it was at the end of WCW. <laughs> um. When they had Booker T doing GI Bro and Charvo, Charvo Junior was in it as well. I can't. Ah, oh, for the life of me, I can't remember what um, Charvo's <clears> name <throat> was in that. Um, uh, in that faction, I do know that Hugh Morris's was General Hugh G. Rection. Yeah. Oh, and they had Major the Guns 90s. as well. This, yeah. The nineties. Believe it or not, though. But I, I found I came to find out recently that Booker had an original gimmick when he started out called GI Bro. So, <laughs> oh no, he was yeah. L- Lieutenant Loco. Yeah. Lieutenant because, Loco, that's the because one. because Mexican. <laughs> there we go for Charvo, Lieutenant Loco. There we go. No, because Mexico. <laughs> so of course, this brings us to one Eduardo Guerrero. Oh man. I mean, um, where do I start with Eddie? Like, um, start from the beginning. Let's, Let's start, start from the beginning. I'll start from yeah. the beginning in, uh, in, well, in his start in Mexico, of course, having an amazing yeah. uh, tag team with Art Bar, um, where he would actually get the frog splash from as a tribute to yeah. the late Art Bar. Who, by the way, if you've not seen Art Bar's frog splash, holy crap, it is a thing of beauty. <laughs> It seriously is a thing of beauty. It's up there with with the lowdown and the five star frog splash. Yeah. 
Um, but come on, that's not saying anything about Eddie's because Eddie's is a goddamn thing of beauty as well. But then he would make appearances in ECW, having incredible matches with Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. Before yeah, people w- need to not sleep on his ECW matches. No, seriously, don't because they yeah, are incredible. The ones with Malenko as well. Holy crap, they are good. They are good. But then, of course, Eddie would make his way to WCW. Originally, uh, the plan was that um, Eddie would event- would debut with R in ECW. And then the original intention as well was that Eddie and R would have uh, gone into WCW as well as a tag team. But, of course, with the unfortunate passing of R, Eddie went all out on his own and carved quite a path for himself, picking yeah. up many Cruiserweight championships. Gosh, we've talked, in our Cruiserweight division episode, we talked about the the amazing match and rivalry he had with Rey Mysterio that culminated Halloween in that Havoc amazing 1997, match. Halloween 1997, baby. That culminated yeah, yeah. in that amazing match. Uh, of course, uh, Eddie, in 98, would, act- would do a work shoot <clears throat> um, promo on a Nitro, uh, talking about uh, how much he hated Eric Bischoff, there was actual an actual incident where Eric Bischoff threw coffee at um, Eddie Guerrero because um, apparently he couldn't draw money. Uh, he would then go on to form. He would then go on to form the Latino World Order. That's the LWO. Choice. The LWO, which, by the way, I I desperately want a shirt because I actually kind of like the design of the LWO. I mean, I will. I mean, I will say there was a point where in WCW where literally everything was NWO. Yeah. Yes. So like you had no choice. One thing I do want to say about Eddie in WCW is I do not want people to forget Filthy Dirty Animals. Yes. Do not forget the Filthy Animals. Like. A for the a for the uh, the themes that they had and the range, which by the way, all produced and made by Conan. Yeah, which like, is insane. <laughs> and when it comes when it comes down to it, they have some really good '90s style beats. Yeah, like Jake, weirdly Jake. so. Um, but also not to take away from the quality of work he was putting even at that stage. Yeah, because that was like closer to like '95, '96. Mm-hmm. And do some of the matches even from then hit hit so hot. There is a, I mean, we as we've said and we'll say it time and again. There was a reason why people enjoyed the mid card and the cruiserweight division over WWE's mid card and lower card is because they yeah. were they were firing on all cylinders, uh, and they were really really putting on classic matches. Like to give you an idea. Of, of of just how much, how good they had it in WCW. The members of the LWO were Eddie, Rey Mysterio Jr., Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, La Parka, El Dandy, Silver King, Villano V, Hector Garza, Sicople, Damien, and Spider. It's basically a who's who of like yeah. prime lucha talent of the time. <laughs> Which by the way, speaking of La Parker, I saw a clip earlier uh, of 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 Goldberg versus La Parker, where La Parker hits him over with a chair. He does the La Parker does the jiggle, turns around and eats a spear by Goldberg. <laughs> I don't care. The greatest contribution that La Parker ever gave to wrestling, and I'm sorry for anyone that enjoys any single one of his matches, uh, is that one clip of him hitting Disco Inferno with a chair. Oh, during his entrance, yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. That is literally his greatest contribution to wrestling, and I am not ashamed to say that fact. He <laughs> is a fantastic wrestler, though. Yeah, abso- no, absolutely is La Parker, an absolutely he, legend. He's an amazing wrestler. I just dislike Disco Inferno more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's amazing, though, with that, that with the Wolfpack and the LWO, that Conan... And the key members of the LWO, uh, Mysterio, uh, Hooventude, and Guerrero, would form the Filthy Animals with, alongside Billy Kidman as well. Yeah. Just love that. Just love that. Of course, talking about Eddie and going through the like through this, we'll come back to Eddie and Charvo in a minute. But I want to talk to you in list to just to give you a good like gauge of how influential the Guerrero family is. Here are just some of the companies they've been in. The the Guerrero family as a whole. WWF, WCW, ECW, the NWA, the AWA, the UWF, New Japan, All Japan, CMLL, TNA, for the longest time, Hector Guerrero was actually uh, the Spanish uh, commentator for, N- yeah, he uh, for was. TNA for an incredibly long time. Uh, Lucha Underground, and of course, as well, right now, AEW. We've got Vicky and Charvo there. Yeah. So their spread knows no bounds. <laughs> I think did didn't Eddie also make an appearance in ROH? He did. Uh, during his time when he was uh, no longer part of WWE. Yeah. But then uh, he wrestled for a little bit in New Japan and had yeah. dates in IWC, MLW, and Ring of Honor. When he got quickly snapped up again, credit where credit's due to Eddie, he fulfilled the independent dates that he had booked, uh, mm. which has the incredible visual of Eddie Guerrero in a Ring of Honor ring with the Intercontinental Championship. Now that's awesome. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there was a video uh, uh, that was posted on AEW's YouTube channel recently where, where with the Jim Ross sit-down interview with Punk. And he was talking about the story when he was IC- IWC champion about how he had a match with Eddie. And it went to a 30-minute time limit draw. But Eddie... Uh, at, uh, just pure improv decided I need to know Punky that I can beat you so I tell you what let's restart the match and I'll put the IC title on the line <laughs> just for bands <laughs> just for bands uh, but Guerrero but, uh, from all accounts like Punk loved being in the ring with Eddie and Guerrero really liked Punk quite a bit during his time in the Indies. As a matter of fact, there is an amazing triple threat match from 2002 with yeah. CM Punk, Rey Mysterio, and Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> oh, man. So, seek that out. Such it's a good match. It's crazy that that match is just floating out there. It yeah. really, really is. Um, just as a treat. <laughs> it, oh, it's such a treat, man. But let's talk about Los Guerreros for a little bit and how much that was my favourite tag team back in the day so yeah, good choice. originally yeah, good choice. originally they were Los Guerreros in WCW 
They had a tag team for just a little bit in 97, 98. Um, And I believe it actually started... um, I think when Eddie was trying to teach Chavo a lesson, but then... I think in an episode of Thunder, he defeated Chavo and forced him to become his slave. And thus they would both have... Oh, that was this storyline. Of course, they would have this uh, rivalry and they would have tag matches here, there and everywhere. This all culminated, of course, with the the gimmick of Chavo having the hobby horse, which I I remember now he named Pepe. Uh, Get it? Uh, of course, this this ended with a feud. This led to a feud between Charvo and Norman Sli- Smiley, which saw Pepe being thrown into a wood chipper. <laughs> I, Wrestling. WCW in nineteen ninety eight. Everybody. <laughs> of course, they would come back and reform in two thousand and two with the really on the nose Cheech and Chong promo vignettes of Los Guerrero. Yeah, that's kind of a... They just went for it, huh? They just yeah, straight up did they it. They straight right. up went for it. I mean, it, it could have been worse. It could have been the Mexicals they went straight up for. Let's never forget that's what the Mexicals... Still a, that, them existing like isn't technically, but it feels like a crime. <laughs> it really does. And talk, let's talk about like their roles... Uh, as part of the SmackDown 6 as well. So with Edge, Mysterio, Benoit, uh, Benoit and Rhino, Eddie and Chavo. Those three, those three teams fighting for the tag team titles back in that time. When it came to it, these three put on incredible matches. Actually, no, it wasn't. Uh, was it Benoit and Rhino? No, it was Benoit and Angle. That's the one. I forgot. Yeah. It was Benoit yeah, yeah. and Angle. I was mixing up with WrestleMania 19. But no, Benoit and Angle. These three had an incredible rivalry, which all culminated with a triple threat elimination match at Survivor Series. Edge and Mysterio would win this match, but they were they were made tag teams and were established as integral parts to the success of SmackDown at the time. Uh, shortly after, though, they would turn babyface, uh, feuding originally with John Cena and B Squared. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. I and... do not remember that at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, no, I think it. I think at this time it would have been Los Guerreros. Pardon my mistake here, but I need to come back. It was Los Guerreros that won the triple threat match at Survivor Series. My apologies. Yeah. I thought it was Edge and Mysterio, but that was at, uh, that was on a SmackDown taping. I re- yeah. say this because Los Guerreros would then have a rivalry with Team Angle. Oh my God, the matches these t- that these teams had were amazing. Like I remember one SmackDown. It was just so crisp, clean. And so technical, technical. Like Benjamin and Guerrero worked so well together. As I've said to people for years, Shelton Benjamin is a very good wrestler. Oh, he's very like, good. He is genuinely a much better wrestler than I would say WWE have ever given him credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like 
genuinely he is great and uh i mean not for people to forget about the the quality and body of work of charlie haas as well as part of team angle yeah no absolutely what was your favorite i mean while i'm going through with this what was one of your favorite kind of matches or memories of los guerreros if you can remember one at all i mean because mine personally was just the whole the whole vibe of Los Guerreros. Yeah, it's say, a, probably, it was just a probably, vibe to those guys. Probably the multi-team um, elimination match. Yeah, one because that my... has like, that has basically a great combo of pretty much everything in it. <laughs> Do you remember a time as well uh, where Chavo was injured, got injured, uh, and there was a ladder match, tag ladder match coming up at Judgment Day against Team Angle. <laughs> So, don't know why creatively, but Eddie and Tajiri teamed up <laughs> to I mean, win the tag title. It sounds ridiculous, but, but like I'm here for it. <laughs> Dude, both ECW. Yeah, it works. They right. they did they did become tag champions for a short little bit, and then oh, again this all one a great another great little part of this. Was the parking lot brawl with Eddie and John Cena? Oh hell yeah! Oh. Speaking on the previous one though, I will never complain about Tajiri. So never, I will never complain about Tajiri. I'm, I'm sorry, who's complaining about Tajiri? William Regal. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. And fair. To be to be honest, he's valid in that. He's very valid in complaining about Tajiri. He's very valid in that, but I mean, Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri are tag teams basically should be like, yeah, sure, okay, I- I'm fine with this. What I, I loved about it is that they would both come out in a low rider as well. Like Eddie driving the low rider with Tajiri <laughs> next to him doing that. Oh, my my oh, favorite low rider entrance was Eddie and Batista. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. yeah. Eddie and Batista was the funniest thing because it always looked like but it always looked like Batista didn't fit. <laughs> It really didn't. It really didn't. It was hilarious. I, I know why he used to sit on like the top of the seat, mm. or like in, or like sit on like the back where it's kind of like where the roof is supposed to sit. Yeah, but it just made it so funny because like he was so big he wouldn't fit in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that visual. Um, but yeah, the parking lot brawl I love. Um, not only because it gave me one of my most favourite modes in Smackdown Here Comes the Pain but I just felt it like it suited Eddie and Cena's characters at that time and if you've seen it it's quite a violent match like oh it is you have Eddie throwing Cena head first into a like into a car window <laughs> and we have like tire irons we have bonnets being smashed over the heads of people Guys going into the windshields. It's a violent match. But I will say this. The ending spot where Chavo comes out of the boot of a car and smacks Cena over the head with a tire iron. And then Eddie jumping from one car, doing a frog splash onto the bonnet of another car to Cena. I can still I still vividly remember and can hear the crunch of the car bonnet where Eddie hits Cena. Oh. Ow. But man, like just Eddie and Chavo, man. I mean, I know a lot of people. I know there's for to a casual WWE audience, a lot of people kind of tend to kind of undermine Chavo. 
But seriously, both of them are so incredibly talented dudes. I mean, great. It's so good. I mean, I know a lot of people, will, when it comes to Charvo, say, oh, yeah, but the guy, like, was Kerwin White for a bit. Yeah, like, but... Don't not give that I, knock not, on Charvo. I've always said, though, it's not fair to to disparage a wrestler on, like, one gimmick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charvo was a... Charvo Ism was a very... Very good wrestler. He just had a bad. He just had the unfortunate luck of being next to Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, it. it's literally that's the it. thing. It's it's literally it's the thing I've always said about D'Lo Brown, mm. which is that he is a very very good wrestler. He just also happened to be around at the same time as lots of other very good wrestlers. Yeah. Let's forget he was in a faction with The Rock as well. Yeah. <laughs> So it does. It that does tend to to to, to happen. Uh, but yeah, let us get into who's currently right now uh, waving the flag for the Guerreros in the family tree. So of course, Chavo is still around. Which, by the way, yeah. I would say uh, Chavo's work in AEW has been amazing. But if you've seen his match against Rocky Romero at Bloodsport this year, man, the guy has not lost a single beat. Watch, uh, if you get the chance to, check some of Chavo's matches in Lucha Underground. So good! They, they aren't crazy They aren't crazy long joints, but like to be fair, he plays his role basically perfectly. Perfectly. Vicky is still being the, 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 the greatest heel, I think, ever. Still. Uh, being a manager he for Nightmare He still finds Rose. ways to disturb my eardrums. <laughs> yeah, it is... I See, I honestly wonder if she has like tom jones level of vocal exercises to keep that Probably. up she has because... to because <laughs> oh, it's still on point after all these years of doing it she could still hit that high note with the excuse me i know yeah that's ridiculous <laughs> but no like great heel manager uh, i thought it was a great pair pairing her up with nyla rose no i and, think it works pretty well and honestly i would have i think to to to, to pair the guerreros with andrade el idolo in aew i thought was quite a genius idea if you ask me because i think I mean, a lot I of people were going to be i think it makes sense i think a lot of people were worried that that andrade might have been uh not take taken less seriously if vicky was going to be a permanent manager. But I thought it was a really smart move to make Vicky introduce Andrade and then bring Chavo in to be the manager. Yeah. I think that's good. That was a really, really good idea. Well, it'll be interesting to see where it goes because, of course, Andrade attacks Chavo at the end of Rampage this week. And yeah. I would not... I would not not put bring down the idea of Chavo versus Andrade would not i would love to see that that oh don't 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 give me hope don't give me hope <laughs> of course oh, Charlo joins alex abrahantes and yes. is supporting the lucha brothers yes <laughs> of course we can't bring up uh we can't talk about the current uh El guerrero family without bringing up uh Charles guerrero or yeah or raquel diaz <laughs> and aiden english yep Aiden English is now officially part of the Guerrero family. (laughs) They got married at the end of last year? I believe so. Um, So, yeah, Matt Raywalt is a a genuine member of the Guerrero family now. And I'll say this about Aiden English and Matt uh, Matt Raywalt. 
I liked Aiden English in the WWE. Yes. I loved the gimmick of being a thespian in wrestling yep. and doing musical numbers. Let us never, ever forget Rusev Day and how over that got. Yeah. I'm just happy to see that Matt is still wrestling. He's now, I believe he is now a colour commentator at Impact. Uh, um, yeah. I still love the fact he's doing his thing. I didn't mind him. I thought he was actually a really good commentator in 205 Live. I'm glad that he's still got a passion for it and he's still doing mm-hmm. his thing. No, I am absolutely happy that he is still in it. And I, I mean... I say we're basically all theatre kids. Anyone that knew me in high school will know I was not a theatre kid at all. <laughs> in fact, I despise doing drama. Fascinating. Um, but I learned to love it. There we go. Um, and I think it's just a really, really great take, especially in wrestling. <laughs> yes. Let's not forget as well that uh, I almost forgot that he is currently wrestling as Matt Morris in New Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes me go, Aiden English in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll tell you this much, man. We are we are in the world, the bizarro world of professional wrestling now, aren't oh, we? Oh, we already, we already oh, do Oh, yeah. Because, <clears throat> so, I'll, I'll, I'll say this after the... Um... I'll say this after the recording, but Sam, I do have cursed information for you. <laughs> now you've said that. Um, and I was going to say, no, um, the uh, Charles Guerrero, uh, I believe she's now kind of not permanently out of wrestling, but I believe she's on like an extended break from wrestling. Yeah, I believe she, she, I think the last time I believe I've seen her in wrestling was in AEW when she was the ring announcer for the Tag Team Cup tournament. I do believe she might be signing with Impact. Ooh. Hey, wouldn't mind that at all. Wouldn't mind seeing that. I believe, I believe she's signing, she's due to be signing with Impact. Nice. I, I do remember seeing reports about that. Brill. It would be good to see her back, actually, in a ring. Uh, and yeah, to be, uh, and to be to an impact it. as well with her husband <clears throat> makes sense. And also, seeing people get back their confidence for wrestling. Exactly. Love to see it. Exactly. So, I guess it brings us to what we always like to do with these little things in retrospectives. Man, the legacy of the Guerrero family completely revolutionized and brought Lucha Libre to a much wider audience, would you say? It's 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 them and Mysterio. It's frankly is them and Mysterio. <laughs> like this family changed everything. Yeah, you know, in in, in, a... this, in the same way that we said, like in in Mexico, luchador means El Santo. Yeah. In the U.S. and maybe outside outside. Luchador means Guerrero. You know what? I'm going to put it to you too, and especially Sam. <laughs> especially Sam. <laughs> Guerrero's and Guerrero's or or the hearts for the for most influential. For me personally, Guerrero. Mm. I think you've got. I think you've got to talk semi-contextually, mm. like that. Like divorced from context. I think you could probably make a a claim 
that it could be the hearts yeah but if you consider the full context that the guerreros are part you know in a large part responsible for introducing an entirely new style of wrestling to a new country and market which has now gone to completely embed itself and be attached to basically wrestling as a whole yeah yeah you could argue that the guerreros have had more influence absolutely for me personally the reason i say that is because i grew up watching eddie more than i did brett and owen yeah it was more retroactively coming back kind of in when i was like getting more into wrestling that i would watch more owen and brett um but it was like when i was when i started watching it was like eddie's the man eddie's the fucking guy (laughs) you know like like brett has had a whole bunch of influence and obviously Stu and owen kind of for a lot of the stuff about like how people structure matches the type just the the types of move people do and how they do them Mm. um and like obviously the influence that Brett and Owens matches have had on the careers of other wrestlers, like yeah. WWF and in WCW as well. God, I say the like, influence even boils down to well every well every mainstream company today. Yeah, but like I'm I'm just thinking in the sense of like this is a this yeah. is a singular family unit that has come to epitomize a style that has now become ingrained within wrestling itself. <laughs> oh, I'll throw a question straight back at you now, Reed, and now I think about it. The camel clutch or the sharpshooter? <laughs> I hate you. Oh. <laughs> There's only one answer, Reardon. There is only one answer. <laughs> Otherwise, an angry Iranian person will come back and make you humble. Yeah. And make you humble. Yeah, I, I, I ain't messing with the Sheik. Even that, <laughs> even that, even at his advancing age. No. Sorry, Sheiky baby. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hearing. I'm not getting into a Twitter war with the Iron Sheik. No, 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 no. I'm good, that. but I don't think I can win that one. No, 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 no. We ain't doing that. We're no, doing no, that. no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even. Con- Doting having a turn of the IG. <laughs> but yeah, oh man. Uh, this concludes our episode all about the Guerrero family. I had a lot of fun looking back, and I decided just out of the, out of a whim to try and see if I can find some matches uh, before WCW of like Hector, Chavo, and M- uh, Mundo as well. I I found a couple of matches here and there, and dudes, like these guys were so good it's like i know i want to know what was in the guerrero blood because all of these guys were so quick so fast so innovative in the ring it's insane how that has been able to pass down from generation to generation being a guerrero is wrestling cheat code (laughs) (laughs) basically just born being like okay now let's get ready for the collar and elbow Basically, the Guerreros have had the Aki engine intravenously fed through their veins yeah. this entire time. <laughs> and I, when they I were say born Aki to engine, do brain busters. When I say the Aki engine, I mean Def Jam Vendetta. <laughs> oh god! Oh no! Go <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Just with the insanity of the moves and being able to defy gravity, that's the Guerrero family. <laughs> 
but no this one was an absolute <clears throat> joy to, to research and do and it was nice to be able to talk about the Guerrero family I am almost certain that if we were ever going to do uh, an, a retrospective uh, about one more of the members of family uh, of the family it will happen for sure because I would yeah. definitely love oh, to go definitely. back and, and talk more about oh, yeah. uh, the individuals in this family. Oh yeah, it's consider this and people consider this an overview. We're definitely going back. Yeah, yes. definitely. There we, we've back. got time to go into people more specifically, and also we want to. I mean, we're on a we're on a going theme now where we're trying to track down old matches. Yes. So I'm still, like, I'm if still anyone hunting wants... for Jinder Mahal's IGF match. I know. <laughs> Um, so if people want to help us find um, old lucha matches, please do. Absolutely, no. That is, I would love to have uh, more context and and footage of the of, of any lucha libre uh, for certain. Alrighty. So next week's episode, this one's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to require quite a bit of research. Uh, I think from all of us, I think as well. For this one to happen, we are going to be looking. At the wonderful world of Exoticos. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. the offshoot of Lucha Libre that we did preview and talk about in our Pride Month that we're now going to actually see come to fruition. The wonderful world of Exoticos and LGBT plus in Lucha Libre. This is going to be a very interesting one. Oh, yeah. An interesting one for sure. Uh, not only in the history of them, how we got started, but kind of the evolution of what Exoticos are nowadays in modern Lucha Libre. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting one. I'm going to really look forward to it. I'm probably not going to look forward to all of the research and how many rabbit holes I'm going to be going down, but hey, that's why I do this in the first place. That is what we do. <laughs> that is yeah. exactly what we do. But until next week, I have been Sam this has been Dan, and this has been La Riedon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. We'll see you, as ever, on the next one. Bye, everybody! Remember, remember guys, remember, guys, on a quick note, if you're gonna lie and cheat and steal, at least be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs>